dream I ran Atlanta. This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer. I'm Eric Quintana. He is Josh Bagriansky and the other guy, Sam Franco. Gentlemen, how's it going? Living the dream. You know, it's like uh, I was saying to you guys before the uh, podcast started here. It's like, you know, no midweek game. I wonder what we're going to talk about. Oh, wait, there's plenty to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's going well. I'm excited to talk about how Gabriel Heinz had changed the center midfield setup uh, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about difference. that. That's going to have to take a step back, Josh. <laughs> that's, that's the that's lead. Gonna... That's the lead, isn't it? Have to take a step we, back, Josh. Wow. We might talk about that with the real, like five the real, minutes to go here. The real lead is that we have two consecutive weeks with the podcast. That's, you know, bravo to us. Pat ourselves on the back there. Yeah, I'm giving myself um, a nice pat on the back. Yeah. At this point, no secret what the major talking point around Atlanta United, uh, you know, Twitter, social media, the, the club itself, uh, all about the article. Uh, from The Athletic, uh, written by Felipe Cardenas. Um, I invite everyone who hasn't read it, go read it. It's It's got bombshell after bombshell. It uh, really sheds light on, on you know, what's been going on the last four years, five years. Uh, well, even further than that, to be honest. Um, I was say, this goes back to like, Yeah, this know, goes back. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, it's 2015, I think, is, what, is when, when this initially all started. So it's, uh, it goes back that far. And uh, it's, it's, you know, we all talked about wanting history. Or at least that was the big criticism. That this is this is going to be part of it, whether we like it or not. This is going to be part of it. So I invite everyone to go go read it, go support the athletic, go support uh, Felipe, and uh, and and his great writing and, and what he's done for for the uh, the soccer community uh, specifically in Atlanta, but but even more so for for the you know just soccer writing in the U.S. Yeah, you gotta give mad kudos to Felipe for this article. Yeah, I mean, the, wonderful the, the, the amount of work that went into this uh, came out of nowhere. You know, yeah, it did. That's the thing. It's not like, That's it's, what's not like crazy. it's not like there was any rumors or any speculation, and and it just kind of came out of nowhere. And and you know, we started seeing you know the big the big. I think the big link is that we never really and correct me if I'm wrong, but I never got the I, I never knew Bielsa was linked to Atlanta United as closely no. as 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 this article points out that he was the first option for, well, the first, I'm not going to say the interviewee, but one of the first major interviews for Atlanta United and, 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 and whoever they were going to start their franchise as, uh, as well, whoever they were going to choose to kind of lead their franchise, uh, you know, as, as a head coach. And um, to think that Bielsa was, I assume atop the list. Uh, what did they say? They, they went through like a six hour interview process with, with, uh, with, Bocanegra and Darren Eels, and then yeah, he, and Marseille. He was interest, and he was interested, and he said he was interested. He was, he said he was very interested. It was a new, it was a, it was a new club, a new project, kind of starting from scratch. You could kind of build it the way he wanted. I think that was the, the gist of 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 Bielsa's thought process behind that. And so I think, obviously, go read it. But the big, the big talking point is that, uh, well, Bielsa never got a call back. Yeah, that and, that's and absolutely just shameful. First that's, of all, that's bombshell number one. For the, sure. the bigger the yeah. bigger t- I, the talking point that kind of surrounds that is that Boca Negra has been kind of at the head of this uh, of this uh, of a lot of these searches a lot of these you know uh, team decisions when it comes to the product on the field um, and from what the article seems to indicate it was Boca Negra that didn't call Bielsa back uh, Bielsa in the article 
or in the article, it mentions that that Bielsa was was pretty much greatly offended. I think I think the quote is, you know, tell him to never call me back, something like that. And to and my my initial thought was, you know, to to have someone like Bielsa to to be able to sit in a room with Bielsa and and have him express that he's interested in starting your franchise. Um, I know we got Tata Martino. We were all, Tata Martino. We were all ecstatic about Tata Martino. But to have someone like Bielsa, who who was initially the guy you wanted to go after, <laughs> and to not call him back, to to sit in an interview process, much like they did with Martino, uh, and and not call him back to the very least have the courtesy to tell him what we, we heard you, clown shoes. We we heard you. We 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 love what you said, but we think that at the end of the day, we want to go in a different direction. We want to. Uh, we want to. We're, we're entertaining some other candidate. Blah blah blah. Whatever you got to say to make it sound professional. At the very least, you don't leave it on bad terms because you never know what the future is going to hold for you. You never know what the future uh, is going to. You never, you never know how you're going to cross paths with people and to leave something on a sour note. Note like seemingly Boca Negra did with with Bielsa. That's unexcusable, in yeah. my opinion. That's and yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's not just inexcusable. It's one of those things that you're setting yourself up almost self-sabotaging in a way because even if it has nothing to do with Bielsa who Eric you're absolutely right did say tell them to never call me again yeah. I mean that is absolutely emphatic statement there and for him to for him to not call Bielsa back not only rubs Bielsa the wrong way and obviously has broken that relationship from ever being able to be something that could happen in the future but look at other world-class managers that you might want to look at to take your job and they say oh this is how he treated Bielsa well, maybe I shouldn't go talk to him. And I mean, look, this story, and, and I'm going to beat Josh to the punch here uh, and say that, look, you have to take any sort of story like this with a grain of salt because when, when somebody is an anonymous source, yeah, they're going to be a lot more brash, a lot more bold, and a lot more emboldened by the fact that nobody knows who they are. So they'll say whatever they want. So you kind of have to take this article with a grain of salt from that aspect. But, I mean, this whole article from start to finish just shows a front office person in Carlos Bocanegra that at first had no experience, didn't know what he was doing. At one point said that he wanted to do that job like he did the job as being captain of the U.S. men's national team. Two completely different jobs, two completely different skill sets. Why would you even say that in the first place? And then it just paints a picture of a guy that's so insecure that other people might know more about him then, you know, in terms of soccer, in terms of the on-field product, it just paints a picture of a guy that's so insecure that he can't allow other people to know more than him. I, I was just very taken aback by everything in this article. But as we started off here with Bielsa, it's absolutely an excusable clown shoes move to not call him back. Yeah, I think the Bielsa thing is definitely probably a sign of things to come. That being said, and I'm going to be doing devil's advocate a lot, I don't think that's a particularly consequential to, to what ended up happening with the club. And I'm not too sure it would have been the right hire, but it is extremely unprofessional not to call back, especially a manager of that stature. And especially considering that if the idea was ever to go into South America and get talent, this is not someone you want to piss off, no. you, know, you know, with the connections he has. So definitely a sign of things to come. Although I don't think, particularly consequential for how things end up going in 2017 and 2018. I, I thought, I, I think about what this article says now, at least the, the, the first issues we talked about. Um, and, and the, the Tata Martino, his kind of departure and how it was kind of like, I don't know. It, it's not that it was 
sudden because we knew his contract was ending. We knew he had offers from other places, but to you, it was sudden. You, it was just, to, I was, was, I was 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 
the idea that Tata Martino left just because, I mean, there's a source, there's a quote in there that says he left because of Bocanegra. And the idea, I don't think that's true at all. He's well, a, but, but, but it I didn't help. There, there's, there's, a, there's a number of things that might have, the, the genesis of the problem might have been Boca Negra. You heard, you, I mean, in the article, it talks about how it's, at one point, um, Boca Negra is essentially barred from the, the what is it, the, the film room? The tactical. So that's one of the yeah, bombs that, to me. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And so, and was barred from that room so that he, he wouldn't be intervening in, into whatever, whatever it was that he was doing. Um, you know, it's this kind of, I, I, I agree with you. I, I doubt that it was just that. I, I, I'm sure that wanting to be with this family and, and less time on the training pitch, that has a lot to do with it. But, um, or that has a part to do, it, do with it. But I, 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 if, if Boca Negra hadn't... He didn't help. I mean, it's clearly I, that he didn't well, help. So I, I'm, I, what I'm saying is that the reasons that he left, I would, I would, I don't know, from what I, I would, I would... I would picture it being more than 50% of the reason that he left. Yeah. I and those other things being well, kind of like supplementary quote, reasons that, that he wanted to leave. This quote from the article says, I'm 100% sure the relationship is why Tata left. Says one. Well, right. that's the thing. So, that could they, be wrong. Yeah, that, that doesn't have so, to be correct. Yeah, I, I think but, one thing though, that when you're looking at this is like the other things I feel like could have been amended. It doesn't feel like the relationship with Boca Negra could have been fixed. Like that's the issue because these were two, you know, and, and you have to look at it from both sides. Like, yes, Tata Martino probably wasn't super easy to work with, but Boca Negra was doing things that a technical director should not be doing, trying to, uh, you know, give tactical, you know, advice or what, or have tactical decision-making and, and, and overstepping. It's the constant overstepping. You have to have these rigidly defined roles and a guy like Tata Martino who managed in a world cup with Paraguay, managed multiple tournaments for Argentina, managed Barcelona, has spent his entire life, or at least post-playing life, doing this. And for Boca Negra to come in and act like he knows better or act like that, that he could have some sort of, um, you know, things to tell Tata Martino that Tata Martino didn't already know, Boca Negra needed to be brought along and taught how to do this job. Tata Martino didn't. So even if you're looking at Tata Martino and saying, well, he might have been difficult to work with or whatever – He's the one who deserves to be difficult to work with because he's the one that had already established himself and been an established, successful manager, bringing in talent, cultivating that talent, and, and knowing what to do. Boca Negra had never done any of this before. So for him to just automatically think that he's, you know, knows more than Tata Martino or Marcelo Bielsa or whoever, it's, it's asinine. It's absolutely ridiculous. And he, he, he should have taken a step back and defer to the people. There's nothing wrong with deferring to people who know more than you do. Forgive me. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but the only tactical decision that Boca Negra tried to impose, based off the article, I'm sure there were more than just this, but based off the article was the the only thing mentioned. I should say is the the, the Boca Negra trying to. Uh, I'm not gonna say force, but suggesting to sit. Uh, Miguel Almiron oh, in one of the playoff runs because he had hurt his hamstring like a month before or something like that. Winning playoff. And they were trying. They were trying, playoff. and they were trying to sell him to AC Milan or something to that that effect. Right. Those that are the, the only- two. Those are the two bombshell revelations in terms of him interfering. Or one, him getting kicked out of the tactics yeah. home sessions, and then that one trying to force Tata to sit. Miguel Amiron so, for leg one against NYCFC. Just so people don't get the wrong impression, it's not like Boca Negra, based off the article, it's not like Boca Negra was sitting there trying to be like, hey, you should really play this formation or you should really play this person here. 
See, I don't know if there's smoke. There's I, I don't fire. know. I don't, I don't know what's in the I'm, article. I don't know if that didn't happen, but right. based off the article, that's not what we're suggesting happened. That's those aren't the tactical decisions we're talking about. Um, but I, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's weird because so he, here's the here's the conundrum that I, I'm in mentally. Well, I agree that Bocanegra, based off the article, which he did, he declined to comment by the way. Um, which I think is a good thing for the club. If you just pretend like it doesn't exist, then you know you don't have to you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, you're probably right. Which is which is something that other clubs might want to take a note of. If if Atlanta United never responds to this thing, and Darren Neils did respond to it, so it's not like it's absolutely not responded to. But uh, you know, if, if it's not, if there's, if there's no official comment about the specific article, then you know they can let kind me, of let it let go. Let me ask you guys, but, what would Atlanta United say differently than what Darren Neils said? In their nothing. response, well, Boca Negra might offer his perspective on what he happened, would say the how exact it went same down. Thing, and he has nothing to gain by coming out, and that's why this right. is so one-sided. That's why this whole story is so one-sided because people well, that are already close, lost, Carlos. Yeah. Well, for sure. And look, you screwed up, right? But Carlos Boca Negra can't really defend himself here. Darren Eels, by his comments alone, is telling you that he's doing damage control. He's adding perspective. He clearly was not willing to comment on any of the bombshell stuff. So I don't know what Atlanta United would say any different than what Darren yeah, Eels No, you're said. right. You're right. You're right. But can we read um, between the, the lines the, on Eels, by the way, really quick? Hold on. Really quick. Darren Eels even said, at the beginning, Carlos and I had the same vision. I found that, that was very, very interesting. interesting. Because it, why would he say that? Why wouldn't he just say, Carlos and I share the same vision for the club? He says, at the beginning, Carlos and I shared the same vision. So that kind of tells me that maybe even Darren Eels has been rubbed the wrong yeah. way a little bit by Carlos Bocanet. And he also said that his role had evolved at the club over time. And I think that kind of stems to the tensions that drive Martino out and lead you, lead you to DeBoer. Is, as the piece says, at the beginning of the Martino era, Martino was providing lists of players he wanted. And uh, Bocanegra is more so navigating the MLS landscape, MLS uh, salary cap rules, things like that. That obviously started to shift towards uh, Bocanegra in the front office wanting more control, more influence than Martino. Martino out the door, you bring in a guy in Frank DeBoer where you're like, okay, this guy will manage, but he's not going to have any control of the personnel decision. I, I think, I think it's specifically – I don't even think. It specifically says that Frank DeBoer had no idea what the personnel decisions were. I think so, he like, said that. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so but the, the conundrum I have got in my head it, it, that, that while reading this and kind of thinking about it, because I, I planned on coming in on here and just absolutely bashing for, uh, Boca Negra questioning whether he should still have the job, all that stuff. Now I'm less, after having a full day to kind of think about it, what, what, is, what is his job? His job is to, for this club to be successful. And what has this club been outside the one terrible year Frank DeVore you know, was here for like five games? Outside of that season, what has this team been? Nothing but successful. You can say what you want about Frank DeVore's first year, but you win Campionas Cup, you win U.S. Open Cup. Uh, you nearly host MLS Cup for the second year in a row. Don't don't uh, you know? Say what you will about the the style of play and everything, and and how the the players themselves reacted. The results speak for themselves. But what did so some say under, successful in spite of Bocanegra yeah. because of the hurdles he was throwing maybe, in Tata Martino's way? Maybe, but look, <laughs> you you can only count one of those years under Bocanegra's tutelage. That well, let's call it rain. Uh, his <laughs> rain that uh, that that was unsuccessful and and you know you got rid of a manager when when you probably should have um you sold pity uh you you um 
Joseph Martinez gets hurt, like the whole, the whole thing just kind of crumbled. And I can't really put that specifically at the feet of anybody under that, in that franchise. But outside of that, we'll call that the outlier. This team has been nothing but successful. Yeah. You I shouldn't have the, been that bad though with losing Joseph. I mean, that let's, let's be fair. You shouldn't have been yeah, that ma- bad. Sure. Maybe. And you probably should have had a better, better plan for if something were to happen to Joseph, but whatever it is, what it is, everyone's going to have an off here. You're not going to be, you know, great every single year as a, as a, as you know, as a, as a vice president of the club. And so I, and the technical director, like it's, it's, it's hard to, for me to absolutely just dump on Carlos Buchanegger because outside of the one year where everything went bad, uh, you know, it has been fine. It has been really good. I'm, I don't want to say like something's been working, but something's been working. Yeah. And I, I don't and really I think- know. I don't really know how to explain it. Like, look, if, if maybe Tata Martino is in the, you know, this is devil's advocate. This is the other side of the coin. Maybe Tata Martino, uh, was wrong for wanting so much say and and kind of the personnel decisions. No. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and look. I, this is just the other side of the coin. I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just saying this is the other side of the coin. Maybe talk to, maybe there was a point to Carlos Bocanegra taking over or being micromanaging the personnel decisions on 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 on, on that level. Maybe he said, if you're not gonna be here next year, you're not gonna give us assurances you're gonna be here next year. Why am yeah, I I'm gonna, gonna go ahead? Yeah, there's the a, there's a, there's the other side of the coin that hasn't been taken into consideration, which is why I would I would I, I wish there was something Bocanegra would say to that even if it's just to that effect. But that would something. be terrible. If if he came it, out it, and it said would, that, it that would, would look it, awful it, for it him. It would give you it would give you it would give you context as to what was going on. The problem is that What's, what's happening in this article, what's being revealed in this article, 100% matches with what, what we see as his personality from a fan's perspective. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very... Uh, um, arrogant, dry. Dr- dry. I, I, arrogant is a little strong, but I see where you're coming from. And it's this hot. kind of like... It's this kind of... <laughs> it's very hot. <laughs> it's just this kind of like this, 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 you know, strictly business attitude from him that uh, you don't you you see less of a personality from him than anybody else you know when it comes to the front office robotic and so what we're what we're seeing kind of matches what we think of him at least behind the scenes when it comes to a strictly atlanta united professional uh, that that it's it's not surprising that that i'm not gonna say i'm unbelievably shocked by 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 what we read it just we read it and then it was like oh i heard this before this is kind of crazy um so i i don't I, again, I just can't put the blame. I, I don't know. I, it's not all I, struggle, I struggle to just crap on Boca Negra the entire time because something has been working. And until we hear the other, fully hear the other side of the coin. Which we won't. Now, I'm, Maybe you know, I, that's, that's the other side. That's, again, this is the other side of the argument. I'm fully of the belief, before people start crapping on me, I'm fully of the belief <laughs> that, the art, that the article is probably – is probably right on par with what happened. Oh yeah, it's and that, fantastic and that, reporting. And that um, the reasons that you know we saw the Frank DeBoer hire, we saw the, the the ensuing struggles, and and the decision to switch the 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 style of play altogether oh, from from 2018 to 2019. All that kind of goes into you know you got to have to lay that at the feet of Boca Negra to some extent with the good that has been Atlanta United's franchise so far you have to you can put that at Frank you can credit Boca Negra for that but you also have to you know credit him with the blame as well for the things that have gone wrong and these are the things that you know according to the article have gone wrong uh 
Um, and it's not good for the future of Atlanta United because now you've got to figure out how to manage those questions, especially now that it's out there like that. You have to figure out how to manage those questions with your, with your future hires, with your future players. You've got the guys that are unhappy with the club as they left, like Tito Pijalba with, with, uh, Car- uh, with, with Pity Martinez. Darlington Angby is different because he, just, he wanted to leave to be closer to family. Well, no, 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 no. He would have stayed. He would have stayed. The article even points out if they had got done the contract extension when they said they were going to, when they made the trade, Nagby would have stayed. He wanted to get closer to Caleb Porter and his family and all that after Atlanta United screwed it up. And that is one of the biggest pieces from this article that pisses me off is that Carlos Bocanegra, big time, one of the best midfielders in this league, a player that you weren't even paying a DP salary to, nor would you have had to pay him a DP salary if you had renegotiated his contract. And Carlos Bocanegra bleeped that up. And that is unforgivable because you saw what happened to Atlanta United's midfield when Darlington Nagby left. We talked about it all last season. How's Atlanta going to replace him? How's Atlanta going to replace him? They still haven't. They still have not figured that out. He would have stayed if they had just lived up to their word initially. Carlos Bocanegra gave Nagby his word that he was going to renegotiate, extend his contract, and he didn't do it. So he lied. He straight up lied to Darlington Nagby, and that is the reason Nagby did not come back to Atlanta. And that's unforgivable. That's one of the biggest reasons why I would jump on the bandwagon of get this guy out of here because he showed that he oversteps his bounds. He showed that he doesn't know as much about running a team as people that they hired to initially and then, quite frankly, pushed away from wanting to come back. And I'm talking about uh, Tata Martino there. And he showed when uh, Paul McDonough left to go start Inter-Miami that he didn't know what he was doing in terms of contract negotiation. So all of these things, this is what your technical director is doing. And now that McDonough's back, that's great, and hopefully that side of things doesn't happen again. But in the time that he was responsible for that stuff, it went to crap. He didn't know what he was doing. That's why I am ultimately – and look, the Tata Martino stuff, Darren Eels even says in the article, there is tension between the front office and managers all over the world, and I understand that, and that's fine. But – the elements of his job that he was responsible for, especially after Tata Martino left, he showed that he sucked at it. When he, has, when he had no help. When, yeah. he had, when, when it was all him, he thing. sucked. It doesn't matter if he yeah. had help or not. He showed that he sucked. He showed he couldn't do it. Yeah. Isn't that really the story of this piece? And, and Eric, you mentioned something earlier about the team is going to have to answer these questions in terms of the signings they make maybe in the not, future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think they, I think they are answering that. And, 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 and to me, when I look at this piece on the whole, and this is why I'm not necessarily hundred um, percent that Bocanegra needs to go. Uh, and I certainly don't think that the reason the team is in the situation they are is totally because of Bocanegra. But the re- I, when I look at it, I look at 2017, you say, you see the story of Tata Martino gives a list of players they identify those players. They go get them. Bocanegra and company take care of the MLS side. That starts to shift towards the end of the Tata Martino reign, and it goes into Frank DeBoer, where the personnel decisions are made by the front office exclusively. We saw what happened. Then we see Gabriel Heinze come in. Gabriel Heinze has said himself that he and Bocanegra speak all the time. He gave them a list of center backs that he wanted. They went in. They Well, they missed on the first two, but they got one of the center back targets. So to me – it seems that those lessons were learned and that that balance that was being struck in 2017, maybe parts of 2018 has returned. 
And that gives me hope that the club is back on the right track and has realized that, particularly with the idea of the South American manager, that you're going to have to give him some input into the players that are signed because he's a recruiting tool for you to go and get players from that continent. So to me, I think you're seeing a club where the lessons have been learned. And are there questions still to be answered? Yes. This is not still a complete roster. And it was, quite frankly, probably set back a couple of seasons. And hopefully next season, you'll see a fully complete roster with proper depth. Um, right now, you don't have that. But I think I, it's too early to say the lessons have been learned. I wanted to jump fair, in there. I fair, fair, fair. But we are seeing, uh, and on the record, this comments from Heinze, comments within the story. And I think it's important to remember that the story is rehashing the past. It's not necessarily what's, it's not, when it gets to the last year or so, post Frank DeBoer, there's not a lot of inside information there. And that's where you, that's because the people who know Tata Martino, who were connected to the old guard, don't know what's going on anymore. And the people who are doing those things are not going to comment on these stories because that you lose leverage in process. You don't want to reveal what's going on behind closed doors. So that's how I read this story was that the, the, a ban uh, uh, there needs to be a balance struck between manager and front office. It was there at the beginning of Atlanta United. It wasn't in that middle portion at the end of Tatra and Martino and Frank DeBoer. And now hopefully we're returning to that period. I, th I feel like we brushed over something a little too quickly here, by the way. The moment in the story where uh, Darren Eels basically says we hired Frank DeBoer because his tactics yeah, let's were talk opposite about of that made, Tata that Martino. That made me angry. <laughs> that made me very it angry. It didn't. Well, 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 it didn't. Here, here, here's the thing. You set up think, your think, tactics. Hold on. Let me say this. You set up your tactics to where other teams have to adapt to you. If you're running your franchise to just change your tactics constantly yeah. so that you can try and, like, surprise other teams or whatever, no, 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 no. Great teams make other teams adapt to them. So if Atlanta United wasn't is like, oh, man. Wasn't that's that what I'm saying. Thing? That's what I'm saying. So, that, like, yeah. you're, making, you're making this whole thing, we're just going to abruptly change what we do because other teams have figured us out. That is bullshit. That is complete bullshit. Yeah. What I found, what I found funny is that what I found funny is that we they spent that entire time at least uh, in the in the hiring of Frank DeBoer talking about how nothing was going to change, how everything's <laughs> going to be the same, and I'm like, now that looks like a straight up lie because now you're admitting that yeah we had to change because everyone was going to uh, you know figure out everyone had figured out what we were doing and I'm like, dude, you just won MLS Cup doing exactly I mean yeah sure the, the playoffs were a little weird but you got through MLS Cup doing exactly what you wanted to do with the style of play that you wanted and then you switched on a dime because uh I see I don't know that I don't know that this is I go back to the idea that I think they settled with Frank DeBoer because because maybe there they were there was enough talk between Tata Martino and between Bielsa maybe that um or at least I don't know within the coaching circles that this was what this what, what this is what was going on around uh, around Atlanta United. I the Frank DeBoer hire now makes no sense to me at all. No. The biggest damage this article does to Atlanta United, it's not so much Carlos Bocanegra because again, Arthur Blank seems to trust Carlos Bocanegra. So and we know as Atlanta sports fans that Arthur Blank it takes a lot to get him to fire you. So, like, I don't think Carlos Bocanegra really needs to worry right now. The biggest problem that this article presents for the club is that fans are going to be very, you know, very suspicious and not trust the front office. I think before this article, it was all, hey, trust the front office, trust Darren, trust Carlos, they're going to do things right. Now that this article has come out, and like you just said, Eric, 
it makes it seem like they just lied about Frank DeBoer. So can we tr- – it's like I just don't feel like I can trust the front office right now. Yeah, I but really I, think, I think the fans had it right, right, where you went from trust the front office to the last couple years of lost complete trust yeah. to maybe establishing that trust again. This article is rehashing the period where the trust was lost. It's not talking about now. Right, but it's still – but it, the timing of it still makes – you know, it very, that's sure. why I'm saying – that's why I'm saying, like, Josh, I agree with you. It's rehashing the past. Yeah. But the fact that it came out right now – means that you know it's recency bias the article came out recently so people are going to be like well this front office can we even trust what they say anymore because again they did say at the time nothing was going to change with frank DeBoer, and then you have darren yeah. Eels coming out and by the way darren front of the pot we love darren you know he this article you know and, and kudos to him for coming out and saying something he comes off looking like, good other than that yes yeah. i feel like other somebody i feel like somebody needed to say something so for yeah. darren to come out and he's very polished you know that he was gonna you know do a good job in the article but for them to say we're not going to change anything and then for darren now to come out and say yeah we did that because we wanted to change tactics that is not a good look yeah that 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 made me the most upset he said because they recognized teams were changing our tactics. Well, it's not actually not a direct quote in the story, but basically he, uh, it's that, yeah, he said teams were changing their tactics to combat our attacking ways. And that since Atlanta United made that run with the 5-3-2 and the 2018 MLS Cup playoffs, which just happened to include Miguel Almiron as the free man underneath Joseph Martinez. So you could play 5-3-2 and still score a billion goals. Uh, I mean, it just, it just, it doesn't line up with, with, with what they've been saying. It doesn't make sense from a tactical standpoint at all, just like you were saying, Sam, to say, oh, well, teams are getting more defensive now. We you play, need, you, you we use need to that abandon for this. Three or four game, you, you switch tactics for three or four games, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this works. Right. Let's and just like do I this said, now. <laughs> you basically had a cheat code in Miguel Amiron that allowed you to do that and still be a dangerous attacking team because you could put players behind the ball and give them, just give it to him and let him run yeah. 70 yards into the attack. So Look, it's fine when you it's, it's fine when you can catch people off guard with something like like Atlanta United got a little more conservative in the playoffs. Absolutely. Ultimately, they win. What is it? Uh, is it uh, is it Rocky three or Rocky four where he switches to southpaw? I think it's Rocky three against Clubber Lang. He didn't become a southpaw for his entire career. He just did it for one moment in a fight to catch the other guy off guard. Like that's what you do, and that's what Atlanta United did. That doesn't mean that you just say, "Oh, let's not play attacking soccer anymore. Let's drop back and play very pragmatic defensive style." You don't change your entire culture for something like that. And I do. Culture just reminded me of one more thing that I really yeah, didn't our, like our very own John Nelson with that with that uh, with that Rocky analogy. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, shout out to John, by the way. I could never do what he does, um, but uh, I will say I will say this. That culture thing that just popped in my head, this is sort of switching gears a little bit. But Darren Eel says in the article that the aim was not to change the culture. I find that very hard to believe. Like, they didn't want the Argentinian sort of, um, you know, this is a bad way to say this, but, you know, the inmates running the asylum, so to speak. It feels like the club tried to kind of put a rein on that. But that loose environment and sort of like, you know, just laissez-faire kind of thing. Exactly. It was necessary for Atlanta United to sort of cater to that South American culture and style because that's what they set up in the beginning. <laughs> you had Tata Martino come in and you had all these South American players come in. So Atlanta United sort of made their own bed there. So again, you know, for Darren Eels to say the culture, we, we weren't trying to change the culture. I really hope that's true because 
you made your own bed, you got to sleep in it. And if you're trying to change a fun, dynamic culture of a team just because you have a new manager and Frank DeBoer or whatever, and you're trying to change tactics just because you think other people are catching up to you, yeah, that was just a weird part of the article, man. There, there were other couple of interesting nuggets that I found um, interesting. One of them was that Tata Martino wasn't so keen on, on not so much bringing Barco over to Atlanta United, but paying so much for him. Um, I think that was more, it was more the emphasis on paying him as opposed to having him on the squad, uh, which I found interesting. Um, but yeah, over, overall, it's a, it's a, I, I, I don't know. I just like getting this kind of perspective on the club from, from someone who's going to be objective, someone who's going to, uh, you know, point out the things that the club hasn't done right. And, and the seasons in, in, in a franchise that for the most part has done things right, or has, has, gotten results where they want the results keep in mind they've they've they won mls cup they won us open cup they won campeones cup they uh they they almost hosted mls cup two years in a row I, all the all the accolades that we can throw on Atlanta united you know in the first just in the first those first three years um you know while we're kind of crapping while we're kind of crapping on boca negra a little bit while the article does kind of point out his flaws you you have to credit the fact that under under his reign this team has done significantly well considering they've only been around for, you know, this is the fifth year. Yeah. Aren't you upset about this? I mean, if, if I'm in the front office or whatever, oh, I'm, and I'm I'd, like, I'd be like, what the, what and the I'm hell? like, yeah, we, we deserve the criticism, right. From, from what happened uh, and, and the DeBoer era, but we've done a good job overall. And it just so happens that the journalist who has is the most plugged in with our club, who has the most sources, Who's probably the, an excellent reporter and journalist? I think Felipe is a legend. There's nothing. There's nothing yeah, there's nothing to say. He is not insulting Felipe. Look, yeah. Josh and I went to Capital J journalism schools, and this is the kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. that you like drool over. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious. Exactly. I'm curious how long he sat on this, waiting for like the oh man, all well, the moments. Maybe another thing. But but you're saying, look, the guy, the journalist who has these sources. Okay, and if everyone on Twitter calls me a journalist, fuck you, I'm not. Okay, <laughs> a season ticket holder. Okay, his his sources are mainly within the part of the club that has been frustrated with what happened with Tata Martino and those players leaving. And hopefully, now we'll see it change. Now that you know he's gonna, he'll have to develop new sources. Now that the club has kind of returned to this culture. But I'm thinking, man, it's just hit piece after hit piece after hit piece from a specific part of the club that is disgruntled or, or former parts of the club that are disgruntled and have an ax to grind. And so we look like shit when, like you said, Eric, we've actually done a really good job and there is hard, uh, there is, there is absolutely evidence to indicate that, our, that we have learned from what happened the last two seasons based on the Heinze hiring, based on Bocanegra dialoguing with him, based on Heinze giving them lists of players that they want to go after, based on bringing in a bunch of Argentinians in the off season. So if I'm in the front office, I'm pissed because it's like every six months we get hit by these pieces by this great, great journalist, great reporter. I am not insulting Felipe, but it paints kind of an unbalanced picture because you're getting the story from one side over and over and over again. And we can't tell our side. We can't tell our side of the Nagby thing, although I agree with you, Sam, inexcusable. We can't tell our side of the Nagby thing. We can't tell our side of the Tata thing. We can't tell our side of the LGP or Tito thing and say, look, these guys weren't flexible enough under Frank DeBoer. They weren't willing, they weren't willing to make concessions. Um, you can't say, 
well, we played hardball with Darlington Nagby, just like lots of front offices do, and he, and he maybe overreacted too early. Oh, again, that, again that's, that's a real stretch, right? But you could also say, like I said earlier, look, Tata Martino wouldn't give us his assurances he was coming back next year. Why should he continue to have all this say over the identity of the club? First of all, you don't promise you don't promise someone you're going to give them a contract. I agree. And not I agree. Do it. But, but, but that stuff what, happens. It does. No, happen. I agree. I agree with what you're yeah. saying. But I just to kind of you know answer to what you're saying here, it's like there's no axe to grind if there's not a reason for the axe to be grinded. Yeah. You know what to I mean? Be, like I feel be, like ground, ground, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I actually got grinded. Might be right. I'm just being a dick. I don't Who know. knows? But yeah, again, journalism we capital school. J journalism school. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the, the thing here is, like, I feel like if Carlos Bocanegra had acted in a professional manner, had not overstepped where he shouldn't have, had, you know, just been more willing to work with Tata Martino, even if Tata Martino wasn't super easy to work with, if he had put aside his ego and hubris of wanting to be the man doing this job, because look, did People, do you think people gave, you know, when Atlanta United won in 2018, who got the majority of the praise? It was Tata Martino. Maybe there's a little tinge of jealousy in there from Carlos Bocanegra. That might be me reading into something. That might not actually be the case. What I'm saying is if you act in a professional manner and don't give people, like, don't make people become disgruntled, don't give them a reason to come back and talk to Felipe for this article – you know, that's the, the, the other side sure. of the, the coin that you have to paint as well. So why are there so many people willing to come out and throw Carlos Bocanegra under the bus? That, and within a, a short time ask. period. And within a short time period, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say over time, you're always going to have people who are upset of with course. you, acts to grind. But you're talking you about... 10 people here. I mean, 10 they, different and sources here. And all of this, different events, and from like an 18-month, two-year period. Mm-hmm. And I think a big, the big part of this is because, look, technical directors are, have different levels of involvement depending on the club and their experience. Carlos Bocanegra was not experienced enough to start saying, I'm going to play hardball with uh, Darlington Nagby here. You know, he, he just, he, he's not experienced enough to, to, to start doing that in negotiations. He doesn't have the reputation or the clout to do that. So that was to me, while the specific things he did didn't really tilt me other than the Nagby thing. uh, It was more that, why are you doing this with so little experience? Why do you think that 27, 2018 shows that you can do this, you know, and, and it had nothing to do with Tata Martino or the people around you or Paul McDonough, who's now gone. What, what, what led you to believe that? And, And thank God you learned your lesson, but I hope you don't, flip back in a couple years if the success returns and say oh no i've learned i do know how to do this i, I can't that's be given the issue full control. i think that's i think the issue i have but i think it's clear that carlos bocanegra has the potential to be a great technical director a great vice president for any club i, I don't that, wait 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 but wait, time out but 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 look look everyone makes mistakes early on in any career they're in that's and fair he's only three four years into well five, whatever i don't even know how many I don't know what the tech, when he technically started uh, with Atlanta United as technical director and vice president. Well, I know, I know those two things are, are, are separate like things. five, six in, but you've only been playing. You've only been playing. Right. So that, I think that's my thing is that you've only actually been at the job for a few years. So anytime you take on a new endeavor, you're going to make mistakes early on. And yeah, but you're at too high of a level. But you're some, too high of a level to be allowed to make more, those mistakes. While some of them are more egregious than others, 
10 years, 15 years down the road when he's with another team, when he's doing, you know, these are mistakes that he's going to learn from later down the road. It sucks for us now. You know, you guys keep mentioning the Nagby thing. This could be something where he takes away a massive lesson for a future signing, a a future player. A, 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 uh, you know, you take away a massive lesson that, that that enables you to become even better later on in the future. We don't know how Boca Negro truly feels about the Nagby situation. He, in all likelihood, he probably feels really bad about how the whole thing goes down. I would hope that he does, considering you made a promise, you didn't fulfill the promise. He then leaves, and everyone kind of looks at this as like a turning point in uh, in, 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 in the way that Elaine United was was playing. So. You know, that's, for all we know, he feels terrible about that situation, and it haunts him to this day. We don't know that, which is why I, I do wish he would speak out a little bit, uh, but I, I, I don't blame him at all for not saying anything at all. Uh, You're right. Maybe. That's, that's, my, that's, that's, how, I, that's how I view – because, I, I, again, you've, you had three years of great success under Carlos Bocanegra. I can't just throw that away over, over something that happened during that time period uh, but still saw results on the field. So he was in success under Carlos Bocanegra, but was it? I mean, it was it was Tata Martino's success, man. Like I sure, yeah, that, on, that Carlos on, on the field, but as a club, you you look at the the the, the success that LA United had, and you have to throw Carlos Bocanegra's name into it, whether that's sure, whether yeah. it's players he's he's brought in, whether it's uh, coaches he signed, with the decisions that the club has made from a franchise from from a club level, he has his hand in. So it's, it's, you know, you can't just say, oh, this is all on Tata Martino, which m- most of it, the majority of it, the actual play on the field is, is credited to him and his players. But the way they got there, you have to credit Carlos Bocanegra to some degree, to a, to a, to a, a large degree, because he's at the helm of that. It's his reign. Can you imagine how the Jeff Lorenowitz conversation went? Because <laughs> like like, you know, this is the thing, Tata Martino, to his credit, admitted that he wasn't super strong with knowledge of the MLS player pool. So what did he do? He deferred to Darren Eel. Which was, which, was which was the difference between Bielsa and Tata Martino. Right, right. Bielsa was never going to do that. So you got to give Tata credit for that. And it just feels like, you know, for that bend that Tata made, that Carlos Bocanegra should have been more willing in other aspects to also bend. But I just can't imagine. He's like, hey, we've got this guy, Jeff Lorenowitz, and you show him tape, and Tata Martino's like, Jeff who? You know, I mean, it just it just feels kind of funny. That could be for some of these other MLS guys too. Like, you know, he's like, "Hey, we got this guy Michael Parker, so we got this guy Mikey Ambrose." You know? Jacob <laughs> Peterson, like, Jacob yeah. Peterson, great wing depth. You'll see, you'll see. Indiana University guy, you'll see, you'll see what college soccer is all about. <laughs> see now, Josh is just shilling for his alma mater. Here. Yes, sir. We're rocking the College Cup again. Well, let me present one possibility here because one thing that Eel said in the story was. Uh, Decisions are never made by one person. But it, yet the article is very focused on Bocanegra. We know Bocanegra had a bad relationship with Tata Martino. And it seems like with the players that have left. We've already established that, that Felipe is well in with that group. Is it possible that your Bocanegra is singularly taking the blame from people that maybe don't have a great idea of who's actually making these decisions, but they don't like Bocanegra. He's the technical director. He's the face of it. So they're pinning it on him when really it's just a over, it's a front office mistake of trying for the front office to wrestle control away, including a Darren Eels and, and not just uh, an Eels who probably has a better relationship with the players than Bocanegra, but Bocanegra taking the brunt of this. Can that be because 
there is a personal relationship with these sources where they dislike him and therefore they pin all of these things on him when really it's an issue of the club saying we're going to take control of, 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 of the player personnel decisions and we're not going to give the manager any control whatsoever. I think the problem is we it's don't still, know who the sources are. But it's like still, if we knew it's exactly still, who the sources were, I think you could, you could make that assumption. Well, we but know former players. On, it still falls Sorry. on Bocanegra, though. Yeah. yeah. It still yeah, falls on him. No matter, no, matter what, no matter what the conversations are, he's still the one that – look, but I, is it, well, I, 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 heard, I heard the quote from Darren Eels, and I was like, all right, that's something you just say. But it's true, though, that's, too. That's kind of a, but it's kind of a throwaway comment at the same time because someone makes the decision. Someone is, sure. someone is held responsible for that decision. It's not like, it's not like if anything were to happen if, – if, if any decision were to go south, you know, uh, I'm not going to say every time, but more often than not, a guy like uh, uh, Arthur Blank comes in and goes, who's responsible for this decision? And someone has to raise their hand or someone's going to have their – someone's going to be pointed at. It's not going to be Absolutely. a group effort. It's, it, it still falls on him. Ultimately, it's his name. As it should. As, yeah, exactly. As it should. So I, while I, I, I saw that comment, I, was, I just – But make this, the throwaway comment is a little strong, but it's just I don't, I don't buy that 100%. I'm sure they talk it, about was this. It, but was it Carlos Bocanegra who said, uh, Dr. Nagby, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to negotiate with you yet? Or was that a collaborative decision made by people in the front office? The story. Eric's said, right, though. The buck stops with him, though. That's the problem. The buck but the stops story, at Carlos. But the story implicates specifically, and the source is specifically Bocanegra. Which well, he was responsible for the negotiations because McDonald was gone. Agree, but, but, but we, but I agree. And, and the buck stops with him. But this idea that Carlos Bocanegra himself wrestled control of all the personnel decisions, I don't know if I buy that. I do think. The front office, a group of people decided without Paul McDonough, who had left, and we all know was a huge piece, uh, we are going to take control of player acquisition and we're not going to give the manager any say-so at all. Or was Carlos Bocanegra doing all this on his own? I don't think that's true. And I think you have people in this story who are sources who don't like Carlos Bocanegra pinning everything on him when guys like Darren Neal's absolutely deserve some criticism as as well. Although I agree in the end, if you're going to fire someone, the buck stops with someone. It is the technical director. I look at I, – I don't think Darren Eels is doing a lot of personnel stuff, though. Perhaps, but I just I mean, don't he's helping in evaluation. After, sure, after a year and a half, suddenly Carlos Bocanegra became the mastermind of Atlanta United. Surely he, there was collaborative decisions, whether it was Eels or not, okay, involved in these decisions, and not just him making these errors on his own. But that's the implication of the story because Bocanegra is the face of it and the sources don't seem to like him very much. So he's the one implicated and not the front office in general. It's an interesting article. I, I, I really advise or I really uh, suggest everyone to go read it if they get the chance. Um, it's, it's a little long, but it's well worth the reading. Oh, it's kinda, worth every moment. You kind of so you, you you get drawn into it as you read more and more and more and I mean, it's our club, so it's it's the history of our club and and the hidden history of our club so far. And um, you know, when you when you love something so much, like like most of us love Atlanta United, you know, you get drawn into the 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 details that uh, kind of have 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 molded the club to what it is at this point. Um, and it, it kind of made a lot of things fall into place. Did you yeah, think a, like a lot of weird things, like the De Boer hiring and why we're suddenly signing guys like Jake Mulraney instead of Yamil Assad? You know. It kind of it kind of brought a lot of things into perspective, 
in terms of the ups and downs of the last two, three seasons. We do want to have a little fun with it. We can, we can no longer, well, we, 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 yeah, we were all under the assumption that it was, it was, uh, it was Tata Martino and, and Frank DeBoer. I thought it was Eric's fault. No, no, but we were all under the assumption that Tata Martino and, 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 and Frank DeBoer were, were kind of at the helm of making a lot of these hires and, and choosing some of these players. And to hear Frank DeBoer didn't know some of the personnel decisions were even happening and to see more personnel control be taken away from Tata Martino, that, that uh, it, it just opens up. But yeah, like you said, going from 2019 to 2019, some of the decisions that were made, and then from 2019 to 2020, and, you know, it really just... Uh, you know, you think about the Julian Gressel situation and how much Tata Martino wanted to keep him or, oh no, Frank DeBoer wanted to keep him and, uh, and, and how quickly he was kind of, and that might kind of fall into that same category as, as maybe a, maybe a Darlington Nagby, although Darlington Nagby seems more, more egregious simply because you made a promise. Whereas, whereas Julian Gressel, it was more, you're asking for a lot of money. We don't necessarily value the value that high. And they were proven right. They were proven right yeah. with Julian Gressel, by the yeah. way. I mean, look, look, look what he's been on that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They were proven right, so you got to give them credit there. But I was saying, like, I wanted to have a little fun with it right now. Like, what's the part of the article that actually made you laugh? And Eric kind of stole my thunder there a little bit because that Julian Gressel part with Frank DeBoer, yeah. I, was, I, I was, like, howling, laughing. It's like, I, I thought we were going to have a Julian Gressel, and he yeah. was just gone. You know, he provides Joseph 60% of the goals. <laughs> it's just, like, no, I'm just it's- sitting there, like, I can't even imagine, like, Frank DeBoer walks into work one day, and, like, Carlos and Darren, like, oh, we, we just, uh, you know, Julian Gressel's gone. He's going to D.C. He's like, what? You no, he's, what I mean? he's, like a, he's like a high school coach now. He's like, what? That guy failed? Yeah failed his class he can't he's not here he's not eligible and that that's the other thing right they discredited the shit out of frank DeBoer by making it clear he didn't know what was going on behind closed doors so the players like this guy doesn't know if i'm coming or staying why should i trust him this article didn't make me feel a tad bad for him because i've been clowning ever since same here same here yeah because he's he's been terrible i feel bad for clowns Right. I do. I, I I felt the same way. I, I suddenly I didn't I didn't I wasn't as harsh on Frank DeBoer anymore because I was like, all right, well if he didn't if he couldn't make any decisions, yeah, by he himself, didn't have any power. Then other like, than what, on the field. what what could we have possibly expected from from the players that were brought in for the like? You start to wonder maybe maybe there was. I mean, if if Bocanegra hey, here's Adam John, make it work. Look, if Bocanegra <laughs> if Bocanegra was kind of was was kind of trying to infiltrate the the film study room and 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 the the tactical video stuff when it came to Tata Martino, I imagine that he was actually infiltrating that stuff with Frank DeBoer and actually make, I'm not going to say game day decisions or anything like that, but I would assume that Frank DeBoer was someone that was more, more controllable by a guy like Carlos Remember, remember the conversation with Bocanegra and Lorenowitz and DeBoer's final yeah. MLS's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they talked about that a little bit there, in the article too. Yeah, down there talking tactics with him. So, yeah, I mean, he's uh, – read my uh, talking tactics on Dirty South Soccer, by the way, this week. Uh, <laughs> That's when the overstepping comes it's, into play, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. That article yeah, will probably right. be a, a topic of conversation for the next few matches. Um, my talking whether, tactics whether, Thank you. Whether it's relevant – yeah, that one. <laughs> whether it's relevant – well, whether it's relevant to what's going on now, I, I – I, I don't think so. Um, so while I'm not going to – like, I don't want to hear about it the next two matches because it's just going to draw up bad feelings. Because um, I don't think anything in that article is relevant to what's happening right now on the except field. The en- except the end where they say, see, it sure. seems like yeah. things are shifting things are, back yeah, the way exactly. they were. Um, but nothing, nothing they talk about when it comes to Tata Martino 
um, uh, Frank DeBoer, Carlos Bogonegra. It, it doesn't seem like that. Not any of that has any kind of it, it, that is. It seems that as in the past, and that things are different now from what it was, um, at least from an outsider's perspective. Um, and then the article, since the article does mention that, you start to think that maybe you know, things are, are different now. And this is just something that they dealt with in the past. Um, I'm not looking forward to hearing the article mentioned over and over again, but I have a feeling it's going to. And yeah, if we lose our it next two it games, is. it'll be because, you know, in 20 years. Because of the article, because of the article. Yeah. yeah. yeah so um, speaking of uh, Atlanta United, the players and matches, Joseph Martinez gets his first goal. Oh, and yeah. I loved every second of it because he turns on his right knee and hits it with his left. And that's everything you want to see out of a guy that tore his right ACL um, in that moment goes and hugs the, uh, the, the, the trainer that I assume I, I didn't even check on this, but I assume was the one that helped him get through all the rehab. He was. Joseph, Joseph talked yeah. about it later after the game. Um, you know, it's, it's, it was a good sight to see. You, you kind of love seeing that, 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 that bounce back, you know, it, it's not, at least my opinion, it's not safe to say that he's a hundred percent back or anything like that because I don't think he is, but it's nice to see that he's he scored a goal. He he is uh, hopefully he's got that mentality back that uh, that that helps him kind of put the the trust that he needs on that knee. Um, maybe that comes back quicker now that he scored, and maybe that's all it is. Maybe the knee's hundred percent fine, and it's just about his. Is it's a mental game at this point for him? I hope, um, and maybe that's just one step to unlocking the the full potential of of, of Joseph Martinez going forward. It wasn't a great result, I don't think. You no. know, obviously Joseph scoring great. But going on the road, getting a draw against a, a relatively good team. I mean, this is a playoff team from last year, although the playoffs were expanded last year. So who didn't make the playoffs? <clears throat> Orlando. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – and when I say that, I mean they made the playoffs in an expanded year. That's why I was poking fun at them. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, it, it, it was a decent result. I mean, you know, Atlanta, you would have liked to have hoped they could have held on. Um, you know, Joseph Martinez getting that goal, just, you know, that's got to do just wonders for his confidence. So you've got to, you know, because as Eric said, I mean, he turned on the knee uh, to, to put it in. It, it was a classic Joseph Martinez goal. So, I mean, you, you see that and that that is the real uh, result from the game. Yeah, you got a point, which is cool. You got a point on the road, which is great. But the real result is Joseph Martinez looking good. And I think if if that confidence continues to grow, then Atlanta United are going to are going to be a, a force and and that's just something that you know as they get a little more comfortable playing under Gabriel Heinze you know as long as Joseph Martinez is is doing what he does that makes everything else sort of come along i think a little quicker you, you got nothing Josh you, you, you got you guys you guys said it very well you guys said it very well and Eric's been speechless. Eric, well, Eric, you've been on this for a while, right? I mean, just in terms of how does he look mentally? How does he feel comfortable on his knee? Yeah. And that turn and finish was about as comfortable as we've seen him look all year. And I would say, in, I don't know, maybe it's just confirmation bias because he scored, but he did seem a little more involved. He was he was up for a couple headers. It does seem like that that confidence. Is he's back. he's growing into it. I I I still think he's got a, a bit to go. Like I would. I think initially I said three or four months. I can probably cut that down like in half, but it's still, it's still probably still a ways before we see like the full Joseph Martinez we 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 used to know and love, um, in 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah. And I just want um, to reiterate: stop talking about the wingers. Stop talking about the midfielders. 
you're not scoring goals because the player you pay to score goals is not 100%. And he didn't score goals last year because the player you pay to score goals is injured. Should there maybe be other pieces in place? Yes, okay? But you're not going to have two bona fide guys with goal-scoring instincts on the field at the same time necessarily, all right? My, my so issue is not, to anybody in but, particular. But time coach? out. My, my issue it's is not that – not Jurgen Dom's fault we can't score. You know? <laughs> my it's issue not. is that there's, there's, there's no one that even looks remotely dangerous. It's just Joseph that you, that everyone seems to be depending uh, on. And no Santiago one else. Sosa looks pretty good sure. to me. <laughs> yeah, I, he looks he looks good. But how consistent how consistent is he dangerous in the final third? How consistent? Well, that's not his role. Um, but but exactly. But that's that's what that's that's why I look at him and I'm like, okay, well, you're going to do your thing every now and then. Fine. Who else is going to step up to kind of fill the? You can't just depend on Joseph to score every goal. That's not going to happen. Sure, um, but and, you did in 2019. And you were very close to MLS Cup. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. And as I said earlier, this. Well, we complained is, about it then too. This, yeah. Well, all right, cool. If we get within, you know, him missing a penalty of MLS Cup final and uh, Nick DeLeon turning into, you know, David Beckham, then God. then I'm cool with that. But like, I, you know, the roster is not complete. And and, and but the reason you can't score is because Joseph is not 100. percent Now. Would it be nice to have someone else? It, you guys are right because I feel like the Sarep. I do see Barco. I do see Dom. I do see. I do see these guys get into dangerous positions, but they're not goal instinctive goal scorers. They're yeah. looking to pass to someone else, so they're kind of a little redundant, right, with the other guys around Joseph Martinez. You yeah. need him to bring that all together. Certainly, next year if you're gonna make this roster more complete. Need a player, maybe a little bit like Eric's boys, Tito Vijalba, that just has, you know, maybe not a nine, but just has that nose for a goal in the last third. These guys, you know, Bark, these guys are more set the table for other playmaker types. And then you only have one guy in Joseph Martinez that can do consistently what we saw against Miami, which is just get the ball in the box, turn, be clinical, shoot, score. It's kind of like if they- Napoli fans back in the day had been like, we need someone else besides Diego Maradona. It's like, no, you don't. Diego Maradona's doing all the work. It's fine. <laughs> I, I honestly would kill for, for someone like Tito, someone like Jazzy's artist who just somehow finds a way Did to score. Did you just say you would kill for goals. someone like Tito? I would, yeah, because, because early on Flip in his that career, audio. Flip early that on audio. in his career, I didn't like the way he was scoring goals because I didn't uh, – it, oh, it, it wasn't they consistent. They only counted for half Reckless a goal. Abandoned. They only, Reckless they abandoned. It wasn't something you could count on. Joseph, you can count – well, healthy Joseph, you can count on him scoring goals. You couldn't count on when, where, how often uh, Tito was going to score. But right. for whatever reason, he was scoring goals. And it was and so just I would, style I would, of play. I would kill for that right now. Because Tito just... has two of the top five goals in Atlanta United history. That, <laughs> that's no, that's, that, that has nothing to do with my argument, though. What about – Yeah, Marcus it actually goals. supports your argument because he wasn't consistent in it. But I think – no, but it's, it's, but it's more about style of play, right? Tito Vijalba is going to run – at the goal. At goal. He's, he's got a good shoot. Strike exactly. The ball. All it's that. Just, it's just style of play. You're never going to have two Joseph Martin. You're never going to have two 30-goal-a-season guys on the field at the same time. Very, very unlikely, at least. But it would be nice to have someone in the supporting cast that's just, uh, like, like, like you said, just, just the type of little more bullish. Supplemental. I'm going to run at goal. I'm going to be a little bit more direct, a little less intricate. You don't really have that player on your roster right now. But, again – the reason you're not scoring consistently for the most part is because the person who scores consistently for the most part is not 100%. Ding, ding, That's Joseph ding. Martinez. No. I think. Really? Thank you for clarifying. 
<laughs> it is not Mikey Ambrose. What? I miss, Ke- I miss Kevin Kratz. <laughs> Those free kicks were nasty. I, dude, I'm so tired of all of our free kicks. All of our set pieces. I'm not a great sick. team at set pieces. I'm sick and tired of watching this team win a corner and just absolutely botch the hell out Can of the corner. I'm going to speculate irresponsibly because we know this all team right. does a, a lot of practice. on. on do we build. speculate responsibly here? That's, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but we do say uh, stupid things like speculate irresponsibly so uh, as opposed to just speculate. But, okay, so I'm, what I'm saying is I think Gabriel Heinze, the way that his team is trained, the way he drills his team is a lot of – you know, build out play, uh, patterns of attack. I would guess there's not a ton of set piece training, which is similar to stuff we heard under Tata Martino. Um, And that hopefully as the season wears on, you see an improvement in that category, but it is not good right now. I just want anyone that can just like, just put it on frame. I don't even care if it's. And defending set pieces is poor too. I feel like it's back to the days of Bobby Dodd Stadium when they were doing short corners every time, and I wanted to rip my hair out like every. I would prefer. (laughs) I would prefer. I would prefer that right now. To be honest, I would prefer that right now. But because because at least you wouldn't see it go fifty fifty yards over the goal or 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 whatever straight into the wall or I don't know. And I know someone's going to tweet. Well, Bargo scored off a set piece. Whatever. That's one out of a million. Bargo scored off a set piece off of a deflection when he smashed it right into the wall. That doesn't really count. But also, while we're talking about that goal, shout out to uh, Kevin Egan for wearing the uh, shirt he inspired uh, for uh, for that. uh, The Bargo Lasso. That's right. That's right. He uh, he was a, a big Lasso. fan of it. So go uh, check yeah, it out. You can get that at uh, breakingt.com/slash mlspa if you so choose. All right, Atlanta United taking on Montreal. What is it? Montreal CF. Can we talk about this Columbus Crew thing? Columbus, oh, thank whatever you. I wanted to bring okay. this up. I almost forgot. I, I, thank you. I completely. Thank you, thank you. I, I mentioned Montreal. What is it? Montreal CF now. Yeah, their new logo is okay. doo doo. By the way, <laughs> whatever. The, 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 the fact that I had forgotten that it wasn't Montreal Impact anymore, and now that it's not Columbus Crew anymore, I'm going to just continue to call them the Columbus Crew. I don't care what disrespect that. What causes. are they changing to? Columbus, Columbus SC. SC. Oh, terrible! And oh, their logo the, is end of the world. Uh, no, come on. Save Columbus. Dude, the logo sucks. Dude, this look is at the officially this is officially the most unoriginal league. I know. Of I just don't time. care about this stuff. You're right. But why wouldn't you? No, Eric's got a point. You had an original name, the Columbus Crew. The fans loved that name. It's it's one of the stalwarts of MLS. They were Columbus oh. Crew from the day MLS started, and they're completely That's rebranded right. to stupid Columbus SC with some crap logo that everybody hates. And and they're and, they're, and then to sort of it looks like a G. The, it doesn't it even does. look like a it C. Does. It looks it looks like terrible. A G. And then to cover their ass, they were like, they tweeted like 15 different times, we're the crew, we're the crew, we're the crew. We're not going to be called the crew anymore, but we're still the crew. <laughs> it's like, dude, you already screwed up, and they're trying to cover their track. It's, it, it's terrible. Everything about that is terrible. If I was a Columbus fan who got so amped up about save the crew and all this crap, and now they're doing this. And now they're changing the logo. <laughs> oh, God. I'm Our sorry logo. you don't care if your club has an identity. Our logo is gone. The identity is what happens on the field. God, fans. Okay, how would you feel if Arsenal changed their name and club crest? I'd rather, they, I'd rather they win a damn game. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, fuck, <laughs> fuck that crest right now. I'm cursing too much on this. <laughs> sorry. There was nothing to – no need to change it. The fans didn't ask for it. No, no you guys said, are right. You guys are right. No one said anything Nobody about needing to rebrand. It. No one wanted to rebrand, and then they just – out of no, not out of nowhere. They, I think many people saw this. 
I think they announced something. I don't even know the history of it, but it wasn't a surprise that they were rebranding. But the fact that they rebranded to that, it's it's what was the point? It, it just doesn't. It doesn't. If you're gonna rebrand, make it like a big thing. Make it like yeah. a like a completely new image. Instead, it's like it's like they they they. It's like they just upgraded to. I don't even know how to explain. Well, I'm it. unclear just, on it. Like, not, when does the, not, when does the new not, logo get used? Like, when are the jerseys changing? Like, I know that they're supposed I to be opening their new stadium this summer, but like, yeah, do they just? Is it like the next game? Are we going to see them? I would, with ass- new stuff? I would assume it's immediately. I, I don't know. The colors are the same. The logo is absolute garbage. I think what's funny is that I my first instinct was I got to go to Twitter and see how bad, <laughs> like what the reaction is because Dude. I know it's all going to be bad. And Did you see that one clown on it? Not one single positive thing about this thing. It's just ratioed beyond belief. It's just I'm <laughs> scrolling down and seeing nothing but negative, 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 I mean, negative. One you of the more notable players in club their phone. You see people screenshotting their phones saying that they're canceling their season ticket. Like it's, it's <laughs> horrific. Like why okay, would you – it, it would be it would be better it, it would it, <laughs> to just give the fans some credit that okay you know what we heard you it would be better if they just said, we heard oh, you and we kept the team here ah oh, just uh, but they wanted I, the they on. wanted the Columbus Crew not Columbus yeah. SC yeah, well, they, they didn't, didn't want, want this bastard team crew. to be named the Crew they just won the league. Why would you change it? They just won the league. Now the that's thing, all ruined because we're changing our name. Discredited. Listen, the one thing that I loved about MLS, at least early on, was the uniqueness in the names. And then we had it. We had all you know. We had NYCFC, Orlando SC, Atlanta United. We had all of these bland, just generic names that sound like you were just making yeah. up teams in FIFA 19 or whatever. Bring back the earthquakes. It, but you 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 want some of that. You want some yeah. of some some American in some of these names. You want you know the <laughs> Kansas the City Wiz. You want that. The Dallas you know? Burn. <laughs> the Burn. Yeah. Feel the no, burn. Now instead, now instead, now instead, you just you, it's just completely unoriginal. You had something creative. You had something unique to the city. You had something unique to to North American soccer. And now it's just it's you know it's gone. You're right. It's I don't know about you guys, but I'm de- I am I am devastated. I'm devastated. I think this yeah, will you ruin. Look it. <laughs> I don't like. I, I I don't care that much. I think what they did was was was. If I were a Columbus fan, I'd be upset. Very upset. It's just funny to clown on the situation because they did this and now it's they're like, getting look, roasted look, to pieces. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be it would be equally. I would be equally as angry if Atlanta United FC just decided to rebrand to Atlanta United and take out the FC. Like that's how dumb I think this was. Yeah, I agree. It's just just pointless and dumb and unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. But whatever. All right. Um, anyways, Atlanta United taking on Montreal on Saturday. Any final yeah. thoughts before we, uh, we, gotta, before we take off? <laughs> thorough preview of that match. Not that any of us have much to say. Now, good times, boys. Um, what do we want to see out of that match quickly? The Joseph scoring again. Progression, more from Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. Win. And, and it, that's when yeah, they, don't need, to, they don't need to draw here. You got to win this one. You at win. home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll discuss next Agreed. week after the win. I love more, more, more emphasis on just being able to create down the down the middle of the field, but yeah. we'll see how that goes. I don't want. We need I, better I, wingers. If, if if we never go out wide ever again, I'd be perfectly content. But whatever. <laughs> that's a that's a pipe dream. I know. All right. Um. That is it for us. Until next time. See you later, man. Stay up.